Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The Christian life is a long-distance race. From the time you receive Christ, it's all the way through to the end, to the rest of your life, however long that might be. But the important thing, and the thing that's emphasized over and over and over again in this epistle especially, is the necessity of continuing to the end. You know, if we're going to succeed in this race, if we're going to endure to the end, we're only going to do it if we keep our eyes on Jesus. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, in a message titled, Looking Unto Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So we're going to focus on the first two verses of the 12th chapter. And as we come to chapter 12, we come to the word therefore, which uh, forces us to to look back uh, to what the author has been saying. And all all the way through the letter, as I've pointed out many times, there's the, the encouragement to persevere. That's really the big message of this epistle to the Hebrews because these Hebrew believers in Jesus, they were wavering. They had started well, and even in the early days of their newfound relationship with the Lord, they'd suffered various forms of persecution, and they handled it very well. He says in chapter 10 that they accepted joyfully the spoiling of their goods, and um, they, they were able in the early days just to easily pass through the persecution and things like that. And yet now, uh, sometime later, as, as time has passed and, and new difficulties and challenges have arisen, they're now wavering. And they're now considering turning back, turning away from the Lord. So the, the epistle, as we pointed out many times, is a... It's a, a warning, really, and a series of exhortations for them not to do that. So in the 11th chapter, as you remember, he's given us a whole list of examples of people who had uh, persevered by faith, and in persevering by faith, they received the blessing of God, and they inherited the promises of God. And even if their circumstances on earth never really turned out for the better, they had an enduring hope in heaven, and they trusted in that. And so picking up in the the 12th chapter, the the great uh, cloud of witnesses that he's referring to are all of those that he's spoken of in the 11th chapter, people like Noah, people like Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Joseph and David and Moses and, and all of these people that he's mentioned and then others that he didn't mention them by name, but he just kind of gave a little bit of background on their particular story. So since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, endurance is the word that he uses over and over for them. Perseverance, patience, endurance. 
So he's calling them to endure. You know, to endure means that you, you keep going in the midst of difficult circumstances. You keep going despite maybe the pain or the opposition. You, you don't give up. You, you keep pressing forward. And that's what he's saying to them, that you would endure, but he likens our relationship to the Lord to a race. So he uses the analogy, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So running a race, that's the picture. We're running a race. So let us lay aside every weight. You know, if you're running a race, you want to be unencumbered. You don't want to have something that's going to slow you down. You, you don't want to have something that's going to impede your progress. You, you want to strip yourself of those things. And so that's what he's saying to us in the, the race of faith, the, the Christian life. He says that we are to lay aside the weights. Now, weights are things that are not necessarily sins, but they're impediments. They're, they're hindrances. They're things that are slowing us down. You know, using the picture of a race, Paul uses this, this example more than once. Paul spoke about his own race. He fought the good fight. He finished the race. In writing to the Corinthians in the ninth chapter of, of 1 Corinthians, he says, uh, those who run in a race, everyone runs, but only one receives the prize. And then he says, run so that you may obtain it. So using the analogy of a race, what we're to be doing as believers is we're to be running without hindrance. We're to be enduring. We're to be seeking to win the race. We're in a race. We're in a battle. The battle is against our flesh. The battle is against uh, the, the devil. The battle is, in some ways, it's against time that's working against us. We've only got a certain uh, amount of time. And so we need to make the best of every moment, we don't want any unnecessary hindrances. So we're to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, or the picture here is that the sin is the thing that's gonna trip us up. And of course, I mean, it almost seems like it should go without saying that we don't want to allow sin to have any dominance in our lives. But, you know, sometimes we tolerate certain sins. Sometimes we give place to certain sins, but those things are the things that trip us up. He says, no, we've, we've got to lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us so that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. As I've said before, the Christian life is a long distance race. It's a long distance race. It's a long haul. It's through from the time you receive Christ, it's all the way through to the end, to the rest of your life, however long that might be. But the important thing and the thing that's emphasized over and over and over again in this epistle especially, but you'd find it other places in the scripture, is the necessity of continuing to the end. And so in order to do that, we have got to run with endurance you know, if we're going to succeed in this race, if we're going to endure to the end, we're only going to do it if we keep our eyes on Jesus. 
We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. How many times have I had to remind myself, man, I have got to get my eyes off of this and I have got to get my eyes on the Lord. Because if I'm not looking to Jesus and I'm looking at the circumstance, I'm going to faint. I'm going to lose heart. I'm going to be tempted to drop out of the race. I've got to keep my eyes on Jesus and I can't tell you how many times I've had to share that same reminder with people. The problem is that we get our eyes off the Lord. Now, there's a number of things that he says here about Jesus. He says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith, or he is the source and the perfecter is another translation. And I want to come back and look at that, but I want you to see as he's talking about endurance, he shows us people who endured from the Old Testament. He tells us several times that we need to endure, but now he speaks of the endurance of Jesus. Notice what it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, one of the reasons why we need to look to Jesus is because he has gone through this and he has gone through it for our benefit. When it says that he endured the cross, it, it says that he did that for the joy that was set before him. What was the joy that drove Jesus to endure the cross? Well, I think it was twofold. It was the joy of pleasing the Father because it was God's will for him to do this. But secondly, it was the joy of saving you and me so that we could enjoy eternal fellowship with him. You know, here's something that we can never forget when we go through hardship, when we go through challenges, when we go through trials, when we even perhaps go through persecution because of our faith. We can never forget that we are enduring these things not for a creed or not for some philosophy or ideology. We endure these things for a person who did this for us. We can't forget that. We can't lose sight of that. And this is what's happened with these people. They're, they've lost sight of Jesus. They're looking at themselves. They're looking at their circumstances. And maybe they're, they're looking at their lives spiritually in more of a religious type of a sense. And maybe they're just saying, hey, you know, this, this new religion that we've got, this isn't worth it. We're going to go back to the old religion. Well, at the end of the day, if all you have is a religion, then you will walk away from it. It's got to be more than a religion. And it is. It's a person. We're committed to a person, and it's a person who was committed to us, a person who endured for our benefit, endured the cross. Think for a moment with me about the things that Jesus endured. Well, it tells us in the third verse, it says that he endured hostility from sinners against himself. I mean, you look at the life of Jesus through the Gospels, and you find that over and over again, he is being resisted and opposed by sinful men, by wicked men. They're opposing him. They're resisting him. They're plotting against him. They're seeking to kill him. And this is the, the treatment that he received at the hands of, 
those that he came to save. So he endured that hostility of, from sinners against himself. But then think of what he endured as he actually went to the cross in those last few days. Think of what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. There in the garden, it was there that he said to the Father, he said, Father, if it's possible that this cup pass from me, then may it be so. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And you know, some have thought, and I think it, it is true, that it was there in the Garden of Gethsemane for the, the first time that Jesus, he got a glimpse into the, he had a, a taste of the suffering that was to come. Because it was there in the Garden of Gethsemane that he, for just a moment, as a man, he recoiled. He, he drew back from it. And it's almost as though God had brought him to the threshold of this suffering and allowed him to peer over and to look into what was going to happen over the next, you know, 24 hours. And, and it was there that Jesus said, oh, Father, if, if this can pass from me. And it, the emotional anguish and suffering was so intense that Luke tells us that at that moment he was sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. They say that under certain forms of pressure, intense pressure, that the capillaries will break and the blood will mingle with the sweat. And that's what was happening with Jesus. He said at this point, he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to the point of death. But then he asked this question, but what shall I say? Father, deliver me from this hour. No, it was for this hour that I've come into the world. Father, glorify yourself. And so the suffering of Jesus there in the garden. And then we know what happened in the garden. He was arrested in the garden and then he was taken and he was falsely tried and condemned and he was brutalized. He was beaten and he was mocked and he was spit upon and he was blasphemed. And then finally he was crucified. And it was indeed a most brutal and horrific form of death and this is what Jesus endured. He endured the cross and he despised the shame and then the shame involved in it. You know, it's common knowledge that criminals crucified were stripped completely naked and there's no reason to think that Jesus wasn't stripped completely naked because part of the intention was to utterly humiliate the person and there they would be publicly displayed before the world. Jesus endured that. He despised that shame of being humiliated in that way. He despised the shame. The only son of God, the holy son of God is now numbered with the transgressors. He's, he's reckoned among the sinners. He's seen by everybody to be a criminal. Why did he do all of that? He did it for the joy that was set before him the joy of saving us. And so you see, when we go through hard times and we're tempted to draw back, the author says, no, look to Jesus. Remember him. Look to him. And he refers to him as the author and as the finisher of our faith. So he calls us to, to look to Jesus as the author or the source or you could translate the word the pioneer. You know, a pioneer is a person who paves the way for others to come later. 
And that's what Jesus did. Jesus paved the way for us. And so we're to look to Jesus in the sense that he's our example. When, when we face suffering, when we face challenges and, and these kinds of difficulties and even persecutions, we're to look to Jesus. He's our example. But he's, our, he's the pioneer. He's the one who went before us in all of this. But you know, the wonderful thing about Jesus is it's not that he simply went before us in the sense that he carved the way, you know, he pioneered the path, and then he, he stands on the other side of it bidding us, okay, you know, come on, you can make it. But you know what he does? Having blazed the trail, so to speak, for us, he comes back to where we are, and he takes us, and he walks us along the path himself. So it's not just you know, looking to him only as an example in the sense that he's, um, you know, he's done this so we can just take inspiration from that. We can do that, but it's more than that because he's not only our example, but he's also the one who supplies us with the very strength we need to pass through these things. You see, when we look to Jesus we are strengthened by him. That's the idea. We look to him, we remember what he did, but it's also inspirational, not just in the sense that, you know, wow, I want to be like that. It is that, but it's more than that because there's a supernatural strength that, that he provides for us. We're serving the living Christ who ever lives to make intercession for us. And so he gives us the strength that we need. You know, the last thing we should ever do, but we do it far too frequently, is when we find ourselves in trouble, we, we turn away from the Lord, the only one who can help us, the very source of our strength. We so often turn away from him. But how is it that we do that? When trouble comes, so often the response is to turn away. That's what these people were doing. They should have been looking to Jesus. He shouldn't have to tell them to do that. They, that's what they should have been doing, but they weren't. It's a human tendency quite often for us to do that. So we need to be reminded. We need to look to Jesus. He's the author of our faith. And remember what Paul said to the Philippians. He said, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that's the same thing that we're being told here. Listen, God is faithful. And whatever it looks like right now, know this, that Jesus, he, he's the author, he's the finisher. He's going to finish what he started. You know, why do we sometimes turn away from him in our hearts? Because we somehow think that, well, he, he's abandoned me. He's let me down. The Lord's not around. I mean, how many times have we felt like that? You know, it is true. There is this thing that does happen sometimes where when we enter into some sort of crisis, there, emotionally sometimes we feel like God is not there. But you see, this is where faith comes in. This is where faith is necessary to believe that God is there despite the fact that I don't feel his presence at this time. And this is where, by faith, we have to lay hold of these kinds of promises that he is the author as well as the finisher. And even though I don't feel or I, I can't see how it's going to work out right now, that by faith, I trust that he who has begun this good work is going to 
complete it. And so when we think of Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith, he's the one who started the work and the finisher, he's faithful. He's faithful. He's our example. He's the one who supplies us with the strength and we need to remember he's faithful. And so for us today, for you today, for anyone today who finds themselves in that place of trial, that place of suffering, that place maybe of persecution or something like that, the answer is to look to Jesus. Remember what he did for us. Remember that this isn't about just a mere religion. It's not just about a creed. It's not a, a religious philosophy. There's a, there's a living person who trod this path before us and is with us today to walk us through ultimately to glory. That's where it will all end. And we've got to keep our eyes fixed on that our eyes fixed upon Jesus, who has gone now to, you know, he's, he's gone through the process and he's gone to glory. And he's a reminder to all of us that that is where we are headed as well. And so we look to Jesus, keeping at the forefront of our minds that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Do you know that today? Do you know in your heart, Lord, I, I know you began a work in me and I'm gonna trust you right now. You're gonna complete it. You're gonna bring me through whatever it is and you're gonna bring me out the other side and, and it's gonna be glory. You know, like I said, the temptation for these people was to draw back and the temptation even for us today sometimes is to draw back but that's not what we're to do. We're not to draw back. We're to press in. That's the difference. Don't pull away from Jesus. Press into Jesus. That's the picture. You're in the dark. You're going through a hard time. You're confused. You're perplexed. What do you do? You press into Jesus. You take all of your weight, all of your own weight and the additional weight of the burdens that you're bearing over these things and you just lean upon him with all of that. And guess what? He'll bear you up. He will strengthen you. So we look to Jesus. We lean upon him. We press into him, remembering that he started this work and he's faithful, he's going to complete it. He's going to get us where he intends us to be, and that is ultimately to glory. And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. There are certain Christian books that we would refer to today as classics, books that have just stood the test of time and generation after generation of Christians have benefited from them. There is a book that is recently published called Gentle and Lowly, written by Dane Ortland. And, you know, many people are already saying that this is a Christian classic. Now, Gentle and Lowly is taken from the passage in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says of himself 
that he is gentle and lowly in heart. And so this book is looking at Jesus through that lens, and we're going to find out that Jesus is much more gracious, much more patient, much more loving than we ever imagined him to be. So this is a fantastic book, and I highly recommend it, especially for anyone who has a tendency to feel like they failed God, they've let him down, or you're not sure about God's love for you. This book is going to, I think, forever give you the right perspective on the heart of Jesus for his children. So check it out, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. You can order the book Gentle and Lowly by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Hebrews. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.